It's like downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Hey, it's Dr. Lisa, and it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. How you guys doing? I give a shit. I do. You know what I really give a shit about? I really give a shit about you fucking showing up to our Christmas party tonight, okay? Because I'm going to be there. I helped organize this thing. And the people at the Bravin Brewing Company, this is so crazy. Like, even Tom, the director, and Rob, the co-founders of our station, couldn't believe that they are giving away, allowing us to give away two free beers with an RSVP. So go to our website, RSVP, before 4 p.m. today. But whether you do it or not, come to the party. It's at... Uh, uh, Bravin Brewing Company, um, 52 Harrison Place, or you can go online at bravinbrewing.com. That's B-R-A-V-E-N. Uh, and if you want to RSVP, go to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash holiday 2018. And that's two free beers if you get on the list now. You can get really drunk and make an asshole out of yourself, and then we'll—I'll t- talk about it on the air next week, if I—if I'm—if I'm cognizant enough to remember, which I won't be. So anyway, yeah, that's what I have to say to you. Um, anyway, I just got back from Miami. I'm trying to f- not get a cold, but I was at uh, thanks. I got a lot of people to listen last week. I was reporting live from the Super Fine Art Fair, and I was pretty pretty mean about the art i think i mean just because it's more it's more entertain i meant i'm trying to entertain and it, to some degree and it's just easier when you're not looking at the art to at least make it funny right at least make it like funny so i had a great time in miami and uh i also wrote an article for the bushwick daily which is in their hands right now so i'm hoping that that gets done and I, uh, I have a great guest today. I'm actually so happy she's here because she's somebody that I know and love and am 100%, 125% comfortable with. So even though I'm really burnt out, I was up till like one o'clock in the morning writing that stupid article for them about Miami, uh, trying to get it done before it was last, you know, old news. And uh, so I have Patty Fabricant here today, who is, um, well, the I mean, the first thing you need to know is that she's an incredible talent, uh, incredible talent as a artist, painter, but the, but she's also like really smart and has like all these other skills, like incredibly successful book designer incredibly successful folks that's hard i've tried uh and a lot of people have tried and failed at that and she's done really really well she's also but she's curating this show at the front room gallery which opens tomorrow patty why don't we get out the word about the say hi hi patty is that you right in front of me there that's me lisa hi oops 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 Oops. have you talked to anybody today or is that like you're just trying your voice out i think i haven't talked enough today but oh we'll take care of that yes we will so give us the details before we do anything else so studio mates is a group show that i've curated at the front room gallery 48 hester street 
which is run by Kathleen Vance and Daniel Acock, and they've been amazing to work with. And uh, the show opens tomorrow night from 7 to 9 p.m., but it's already up. So if you're in that neighborhood today, tomorrow, it's already up. And It'll be up for how long? It's up until January 6th. Oh, that's good. And we will no doubt have some kind of a closing event on January mm-hmm. 6th. And what's the address? Did you tell us? I did. It's 48 Hester. 48 Hester. Lower East Side. Uh-huh. That's where all, all, all our Jewish ancestors used to hang out. Oi. They're probably, they're probably, there's probably ghosts of like my great, great grandma in that gallery or something. I hope so. Maybe <laughs> that's why I like it there. Yes. Some of that DNA. Uh, so anyway, so we're really, uh, uh, I can't wait to get to talk to Patty about this in, in depth because the show is called Studio Mates. And what she's done is she has, how many studio mates? How many pairs? It's five pairs of. Of artists that share studios. So Patty's been in the Patty's been in the mud. I'm hoping. I'm hoping for our sake, folks, that Patty's been in the mud on these relationships between people that share studios. But I know most of most of who. I mean, they're all really great artists, and I think it's such a great idea to uh, pair artists. And you can see they work in the same studio, so. You know, there's got to be, there's a lot, that's a lot of time and that's a lot of alone time because, well, I mean, you're with your studio mate, but you know, people, that's a lot of focused time. You know, it's not a social, it's not a social thing. So that's the only person you have around. So I'm curious to hear about that. Um, But, you know, I also, before we get into that, I just want to tell you one more thing. Okay, folks, I don't want you to miss, were you here two weeks ago? Oh, and I want to say hi to Steve. Steve, my friend from from Nova Scotia, the bakery in Nova Scotia. I tried to write you back, and then it went away. But I'm thinking about you. Did you did you did you contact me on Instagram? Anyway, I don't remember. But contact, I don't know. But I'm thinking about you. We got to get some of your your baked goods in here. Do you think you could mail some baked goods from Nova Scotia here, and then we'll. We'll, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll do you, we'll, we'll like talk about them on the air and get people in Nova Scotia to go eat at your bakery. There, Patty, you want to go to Nova Scotia and get some baked goods? Nova Scotia, Canada? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> when should we leave? You have a car? <laughs> Can we get some Nova Scotia salmon while we're there, please? Oh, yeah, maybe a bagel, maybe a homemade bagel with some salmon. With a schmear. With a schmear. So that would be like, what, 12 hours of driving or something. It's so worth it, though. You know good food. Can we go in the summer? <laughs> I don't know. I'm barely in touch with this guy uh, who called in once under desperation about three weeks ago, and he's now my new friend. He's really charming. But anyway, so I want to say hi to him. But I, what I really want you to know is that you should come to the show that um, Melissa Roth, who was on uh, two weeks ago, is uh, starring in. And I think it's a really awesome show, and I really, really enjoyed our chat. And I just want to remind people, in case you uh, heard her talk with me, Melissa Roth, and she's starring in this really fun show about a young couple, the Bohemians, December 6th through 22nd at Theater for the New City, which is at 155 First Avenue. And um, I know I know it's going great, and it's a really great show, and these shows aren't around long, so go to the website now and get tickets, okay? That's all I have to say about that. That's great. 
I know it's going great. Go get tickets. So, uh, Patty, let's talk about your work first. So here's what I know about Patty's work. I'm just going to say this really quick, and then Patty's going to explain it. Patty's work is, I'm not going to be able to explain it. Um, Patty has um, these highly refined visual skills, visual visual skills and ability to make things. And she could be doing, she could kind of do anything she wants because she's got the goods to do that. Uh, so I'm going to have her explain what she does because at this point it's way too complicated for, for me to explain. But I followed her career. I mean, I've known her. I followed her career for like the last 10, 15 years and um, for somebody, she, Patty, you know what you do? You got drive, man. <laughs> you make the shit. You do the work. This is what we love about Patty. Patty is an awesome human. Like, let me tell you something. If Patty throws, we, my husband and I occasionally, we have enough room that we have parties. And, you know, we've had the Bushwick Daily have a party. We lend our place out sometimes. And if Patty has a party, it's going to be packed. Patty can get more people to a party than I could, even if I announced it every day on the radio station. So, uh, people, Patty, yeah, I really, you know, I have a lot of respect for Patty. I guess, I guess we, we made that clear. Patty, tell me about your work. Okay. Um, I have been for the last two years, I went from being an abstract artist. All right. I'm going to back up. I, studied art all through school. I didn't get an MFA, but I basically took a 15-year hiatus from serious art practice to because I had a career that was fulfilling and creative. And then I went freelance. A and, career as a book designer. Yes, book and, you design were, and you were working a full-time job. Yes. And at the end of the day, I was too kind of eyeballs were too fried to to go to a studio and make art. I was doing a lot of writing and other creative stuff, but not having a consistent artistic practice. But you had a creative job. I did, exactly. Yeah. And let's 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 be honest. Oh yeah, I think <laughs> no. that's a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, I wasn't, of course, you know, of course. slinging of course. hash or something. No, right. Um, and then I went freelance in the year 2000 and was able at that point to reincorporate making art. And I went I went from being a figurative painter in school to an abstract painter 15 years later um, when I went back to being an artist, it, it just was strictly abstract. I was working with color and space and line and layers. And then, um, and you know, consistently with that for another 15 years or so. And then in 2016, and after the election, I just felt that I couldn't, it felt, the work I was doing felt trivial. It felt decorative. All the things that had felt right about it up until that point, no longer felt authentic to me. So I also want people to know that you're a very informed person. You read, I mean, I like, I mean, I like, you know, I like the news, but I'm, but like, I know like Patty knows that what's going on. Like you are somebody that people will have an in-depth conversation about politics with because you're so informed so i want you guys to know that go ahead yeah and well it's kind of hard and i think this election has made a lot of people become more informed a lot of people that thought politics were boring 
are not thinking that right now because it really is boring. boring. It's not boring at all. Exactly. So I think like probably most of the radio audience here was pretty rattled by 2016. Oh, yeah. I Sure. And my first, when I went back into the studio in those sort of shell-shocked immediate days, my first impulse was to start des- destroying my work. Because you're upset. Yeah. It just, I started cutting things up and, and I just couldn't and, make things. I was just, I had, it's like, and, it, and it says here that your work started to feel this is from an interview by eddie yanov in uh in uh what what, what whatever uh art, art spiel. spiel thank you sorry it's her blog um yeah it's a great blog and it says uh i quote patty this work in, in, indeed started to feel irrelevant and inconsequential to me yes which is so interesting and it's funny because that, i had been Larry Walzak once told me, he said, you're too smart to be an abstract artist. And I took real umbrage at that. I was like, Mm -hmm. some of the most intelligent people I know are abstract artists, and I don't think that there's any correlation. But he also pushed me a few years ago to make political artwork, which had, he said, you're so informed about politics, why isn't it in your work? And I I finally did bring it into my work for a show that he curated called Paper Jam. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a different series of work mm-hmm. than what I'm working on right now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, in the immediate aftermath of the election, I was kind of destroying stuff. And then at the same time, I went to visit my parents for Thanksgiving and found all the student work. And it was all these self-portraits. And I was like, oh, those are kind of good. And I don't know. So I went into the studio and started making self-portraits and was working on these two things simultaneously. And then a friend said why don't you try cutting up the self-portraits and weaving them together and see what happens? So that was one series of work. But the other thing that I was starting to do with these self-portraits is to explore the variously strong emotions I was feeling as a result of this election. I mean, every single day I was furious, I was anxious, I was shocked, I was feeling despair, confusion, and I had figure out what to do with all of this emotion. And it wasn't the same thing as feeling that about relationships or family. It was, it was this sort of bigger picture set of emotions. So I started painting myself feeling these emotions, which required making these faces, which kind of makes you feel the emotions a little bit. It was an interesting process. Yeah. Um, well, I think what's, What's interesting also is the way that you were making them, which is that you were using a mirror? Yeah, I don't work from photographs. So you were feeling, you were actually translating your own feelings in real time. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing where if if you make yourself smile, you feel happier, there is something to that. You know, if Mm -hmm. I'm grimacing and looking at yourself grimacing, Mm -hmm. it it kind of, even if you know you're putting it on for the painting, it still kind of gets into your head a Mm -hmm. bit. And also the focus of what I also find really interesting about about um, these portraits that you're doing is that they're not there's not a lot of vanity in them. Like, I mean, I think they're beautiful and I think you look great. But a lot of times people in any portrait making tend to idealize themselves where you seem to to be more more interested in making an emotional connection than a, I mean, they have the feeling of you, but it's not like a realistic feeling or an idealistic feeling. It feels like what you're really trying to portray quite honestly and directly up front. The most important thing that you're that comes through for me knowing you 
is the emotional quality in a realistic pic- painting of yourself, right? That makes sense? Yeah, yeah, I and think I so. And I think that's very, that's not often the case. There's, I think a lot of times portraiture involves a lot of superficial um, uh, impulses, and these do not. Well, also when and, you consider the history of portraiture, they're usually, they're often commissions and people want to look good. They're yeah. not, they don't want to pay for a portrait where they aren't looking good. It's not good. that you don't look good. It's just not idealized like we are often. Yeah. We are often. And um, the way that they're woven together, which is even hard to explain, um, like woven like a basket, folks. But so you're weaving these two portraits together that you've cut up and they're sort of a... Um, chance meeting of yourselves together and you've even done some where there's where the you've woven them together to create a third image well the weaving sort of it's like the way two parents create a child with these Mm -hmm. paintings because i'm taking two separate paintings and making they kind of make a third thing Mm -hmm. that's not one or the other Mm -hmm. and the other thing that about that process is because as lisa said it is a basket weave it was pointed out to me, and I love this, that there's an underlayer where the paper goes behind. the. Uh, so there's really actually a whole other painting that no one can see. And it's sort of in a way like ourselves, like we've got the inner self that really no one can see. And then we've got the face that the world sees. Right. And that was not intentional at the outset, but I really love that that somebody picked up on that and it's really stuck in my brain. So here's the deal, folks. Patty is really poised <laughs> and appropriate. Not that she's not fun or like wha- or can't be wacky, but she always is like very smooth. So I, it comes natural to you, Patty, but I bet there's some of that in there because you are the person. Like there could be like, a crazy disaster going on and Patty would be like, it's yeah. Okay. Well, we just, not in a, just in a grounded way. I don't mean that in a silly way. I mean, you just seem, you do seem to really know who you are or you, 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 you seem grounded to me. Not, not like your life is, you know, easy and everything is rosy all the time, but you do seem to be like, you know who you are. Is that accurate? I think to a large extent, this I keep the the parts inside that are falling apart. I don't, not that there aren't, that they're not there, um, and not that there aren't parts of my apartment that are a total mess, but um, yeah, I, try, I, I think I'm not one of these people that falls apart in public. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. And so, I don't want to be that person. Well... Um, also, I wanted to ask you about, um, so you, in some of these portraits, I was sort of, I mean, I saw them recently, you showed them at Transcender, and I was actually, I don't know why, but it kind of surprised me that you you were actually naked in some of them, right? Yes. Which, which I applaud, you know, I'm all for nudity, <laughs> but um, it wasn't something, I mean, it is... There is definitely um, some for some for anyone to who's who doesn't do that. Like some people are just all about nudity, and that's fine. But I've never seen you go down that road before, and I was really interested and thought that was for 
I mean, in a certain way, for somebody who always seems so poised and is always so perfect and well dressed and quaffed and all, not quaffed, not, I don't want to go overboard, folks, but pa- Patty has her shit together, or at least p- we all think that. We all <laughs> definitely think that. So, I fake it really well. Um, anyway, it didn't seem a little out of character, right? Or what? It, what's your feeling about like what was your thinking? What what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> well, first of all, I do. I mean, I like going to the I, well. Oh yeah, I, that's true. I go to the beach. I wear bathing You're a suits. Beach Sometimes I don't wear a top. So being topless okay. is not completely out of character for me. But where that came from was quite specifically right when I started doing these self portraits. And this is a shout out to social media for you. A curator saw what I was posting on Facebook and Instagram and contacted me right away and had a spot for me in a show. The curator was Ann Traubin. The gallery was Drawing Rooms. And I had essentially a mini solo of this these self-portraits within a few weeks of starting to do them, which was very validating. But it also made really turn the pressure up because I had to get the work out there and ready. And she said, go bolder, go bigger, go stronger. And I was trying to think of ways I could go bolder with them. And one of them was to show more of my body. Mm-hmm. So I went bigger. They're pretty mm-hmm. much, all of these these pieces are pretty much life-size. Some of them are a little bit wow. bigger, but most of them are kind of life-size. So I just made the paintings bigger, but showed myself from the waist up. Yeah, so how, how was that experience? Was that a big deal for you or no big deal? Or Well, it, to tie it into my current show that I'm curating, the thing that made it kind of funny was I do have a studio mate. And Amy I had, Hill has yes, been on the show. Yes. And I had to check with her that she was okay with me being topless in the studio. And Amy's pretty unflappable. <laughs> um, although there was one moment when she was on the phone with her boyfriend and she said, oh, Patty's over there painting topless. And he said, why don't you put her on Skype? <laughs> <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, she she just sort of got used to it. I'd give her a little heads up that I was taking my top off. Um, <laughs> and I didn't, I'm, I haven't been doing, that's, it's been almost two years since I've been doing those. I've kind of moved in a few other directions. Uh, but no big but deal? No, no, no big, big deal. deal. And, okay. you know, it's pretty warm in the studio, so it wasn't a problem in terms of, I didn't freeze. So, so. fucking hot in, in this studio right now, I feel like taking all my clothes off. Have you ever done one of these in- interviews topless? No, there's never been any call for that. But there is there is somebody that I do know that somebody once got a blowjob on the air in this on, on your show, not on my show, on another show, Art Star Art Star Scene Radio. But that was when we were in the basement; and there was no windows, so I don't know. So I mean, we're pretty. This is a boundary boundaryless place, but to me, nudity has you have to have a good reason to use to have it. We don't, I haven't had that reason. Well, and it is also a radio show, so it would be only for our own entertainment. Yeah, I guess so. It would probably, it would be interesting. It would be interesting. A blowjob, I guess, has some sounds to it or whatever, so I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, so there were some things I was um, wondering about, about how you went from doing abstract work to doing these... I mean, I think they're revealing portraits. Do you? I hope so. I, yeah. That's that's the aim. Yeah, because there's a huge emotional range in them. Yeah, and you are being examined, like to see the emotions on your face, and I'm sure that 
people, I don't know if they see you differently or, I mean, you are, you are making yourself vulnerable. There's no question about that, right? You feel vulnerable? Well, it's me. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 yes, I would say Mm -hmm. so. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, more vulnerable than the abstract. So let's put it that way. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So what I'm curious about is why you went from doing abstract to self-portraits so suddenly because abstract work i mean uh has no relationship to um a literal translation directly i don't think i mean that's arguable that's arguable but let's just say that for for this for this discussion that you know you weren't like it wasn't like you were expecting people to draw a literal story out of it or whatever it was a beautiful it was about the actual piece of art and the the visual impact that it had it wasn't a literal an emotional yeah. but not a literal they, translation right yeah they were kind of unashamedly decorative i Are would they? say yeah. they were not I, there was no subject. They weren't about anything. They were they were decorative. So I'm wondering if there's any connection between you switching over to self portraits, um, in the sense of like maybe you were doing abstract work because you didn't want to be seen. And there's part of you that this this is me making this shit up as a fake shrink, I guess. But anyway, so um, I'm wondering. This is my theory, I guess. Um, you know, I'm wondering if there was part of you that didn't want to be seen and then there was some frustration with that. And so instead of going to like from A to B to C, you went from A to, you know, you went from one extreme, I think, sort of to the other um, because maybe there was something in you that was really frustrated that you weren't being seen. Is there anything in that or what? what's your th- thoughts about that? I don't think that is consciously what was going on. I think it had more to to me to do with the emotions I was feeling and this sort of nature of of kind of panic I was feeling. I, I mean, it had more to do with the political situation, at least initially, than with any kind mm-hmm. of emotional mm-hmm. shift. So you were really, I mean, we're all affected, all of us in our in our in our bubble in the same bubble here are all affected by politics but it affected you in a way that that changed your art per, sort of permanent permanently for now yeah in the long term and, and it for, did, it, it, not just like a like a lot of artists made work about the election or right. about trump at that time but you didn't really you you really just changed your whole so what was the emotion there what what, what do you think that was I think it wasn't one emotion is the problem. I think it was this huge range of emotions. And I think that that's really what I've been trying to address in this entire two-year body of work is that it isn't just one thing that can be answered easily. And I, it's true. You make an interesting point. Why didn't I just start making political art about more literally about the election um, instead of about my reaction to it? Mm-hmm. But this was my way of addressing it. Uh-huh. So I'm wondering, you know, it's funny that, he, I mean, what's interesting to me right now that we're talking about it is how personally you are affected by the election. Um, yes. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of, 
<laughs> Patty, it's not about you. <laughs> it is all about me. <laughs> no, I mean, it's really funny. I mean, it's because, um, you know, I'm just trying to find. I don't know why it's funny to me. It hits me funny. But um, it is. It's what would do you would it would it like what about the election in particular? Like I'm upset, like. For example, I'm upset that that happened. I think it's the most fucked up thing in the world. I think everything that's going on is really fucked up. I personally, um, you know, I'm horrified by all the people affected by it. I I feel privileged that, like, I'm not trying to immigrate somewhere or, you know, um, you know, I don't have a lot of money in the stock market, whatever. You know, my life is fairly going to be the same I mean, I'm horrified well, by and, the and we're also older, so we're not looking. I mean, I, I don't know how much longer I'll be around, but like in contrast with kids who are like 18 or eight, looking at their whole lives ahead of them, to me, it's like you know, I'm the environment I'm on the is half. what makes me most crazy. Me too. Yes. Is that what you're really upset? At? What? But what are you really upset? Like, I'm wondering if if there's something. Like, I'm wondering why this gets to you. In a way that seem it to me, and maybe I'm just being a judgmental, but to me it seems to affect you in a more profound emotional way than the average, say, art person, artist, or, or maybe person. I'm just maybe I'm just the one who's chosen to address that in my work. I mean, you know, when you when you're on Facebook, for example, you have this little set of emojis you can like, something you can love, something you can be shocked, angry. What are the other two? Happy, sad. You have these these little tiny dots that you can click that, and then what happens when you're you're feeling more than one? When somebody posts something funny but it makes you angry, somebody something makes you angry and sad at the same time. So that's also a lot of like it was all of these emotions every single day. The state of constant outrage that is stressful. It's just stressful. It's like mm-hmm. you know you'd, you'd see someone a month after the election and go, "Hey, how are you doing?" And they'd be like, "I'm great," except. It was like this thing that just underlies everything. We wake mm-hmm. up to shocking, horrible news almost every single morning. Mm-hmm. And we have to stay outraged because if we get complacent or we tune it out, they win. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of it, too, is just feeling all this stuff every day. So there's a certain kind of activism in your work, isn't it? I guess because so. You're, when I think about it now, you're you're the person who, like I try to go to, you know, I've gone, I've been to those protests in my you know, and all that, but you're really like, you're good about them. I'm not as good as so many people. I feel so inadequate. I have friends doing so much more. Mm. I mean, we could all be doing so much more. So thanks yeah. for saying that. But, but I don't, I don't but feel more like... more than most people, right? I don't even know. I mean, I, I feel like I'm not doing enough. So mm. it's interesting you say that, but I feel like, I feel mm. like I had so much admiration for people that are really on the front lines. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But uh, it is it is really interesting. I'm also wondering if you're maybe more sensitive to what other people are feeling. Like if you're picking up the zeitgeist in this way and sort of internalizing some of it for 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 us, you know, like maybe people. Like I said, I do think that people, you know, people are comfortable. You are somebody that people go will, you know. We already talked about how popular you are. (laughs) But I wonder if um, there's something about you that has some certain kind of empathy for politics or something like that. And maybe that's why you're affected by it. Well, I've always been 
politically engaged. I mean, one of the reasons I chose to go to the school I went to, Wesleyan, was that the day I went for a student tour, there was a rally going on, and I was like, right on. Like, I want to go here because there's, there's, you know, I didn't want to be locked up in an ivory tower. I wanted to, to be connected. And that goes back to high school and the no nukes rally and all that stuff. So there's been a level, but I'm not politically engaged enough to get into politics or activism on a professional level, but it is something that is. Well, somebody could argue that you are through you are through your art. I could argue that you are involved through your art because you're reflecting. I mean, it's on a. It's like a degree removed. Well, it's on a level where you have to be present in front of the work. Yes. But, but it's. It, it, so how is um, making what is how is making um, the portraits affecting you? Like, are you understanding your emotions more? Do you see people identifying with them? Do you see that there are um, people's feelings about politics reflected in them, reflected back to you? What are, what are, what are you? Um, so I know there's a lot of growth. I'm going to make an assumption because whatever, it's obnoxious to do that, but I am. I'm just going to make an assumption that you're having a lot of um, some, a lot, probably a lot of emotional growth from doing these portraits because you are really focused on them in one way or another. And I can feel the connection to for, that you have when I look at the actual work. It's a huge, strong connection emotionally, which to me is the most important quality in any. That's like what I look for first in any piece of art, whether it's a professional piece of art or a two-year-old or a three-year-old, whatever. Uh, and you got that in spades in that work. And I'm wondering like what that uh, level of connecting with the work emotionally and making it, the work is really about the emotions you're feeling, yes. isn't it? So what is that? How's that affecting you? What's going on in there? Um, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. I'm sorry. Like, is it? Um, are, okay. So like, what kind of, how do you feel like? Here's a, here's a simpler way to put it. You had that, you had a big, you were just talking and I know that was a big solo show, right? Or, or small, small, big, solo small solo show, big, big for you, big, big, you know, high visibility, lots of pressure. So what did you get back? Like, what have you felt? What kind of reaction have you gotten back? How do you feel when people look at the work? What have you gotten back from having people connect with the work? Well, it was a scary thing to go forward with such a radical departure from the work I was doing before. And I was very validated, not just by the show, but just by people's reactions in person and online. And And the work has continued to develop and be shown. And I'm, I'm thrilled about that. Um, but I think I keep doing it no matter what, even if no one was, I mean, this is no, what I, I know feel that. Is, I know that. is essential for me no, to be doing. No, no, I mean, I think that you're getting something out of it that which you personally are, no matter what, but like, do you feel like you're more seen? Do you, do you feel like people can get to know you better by, do you feel like people, do you feel more ex, like sort of more exposed, but then also more recognized inside? Oh. I think maybe that's a question I'm asking. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, really. I sometimes feel more recognized outside because people recognize me from the work. But, <laughs> that's you know, hilarious. Like I can't do anonymous applications for grants and residencies because, you know, they say don't put your name on there, but there's my face. Oh, right. So, that's a funny thing. Yeah. That's a funny thing. You know what? Let's do the station ID. Let's get people to... Um, 
I want people to use the mobile app because, you know, Radio Free Brooklyn has this great free mobile app that you can download. And we have so many great shows. And there's this real feeling of community here at the station with all the different kinds of music, like every kind of music, every kind of talk, comedy, you name it. You know, uh, I think we have a cooking show now. We're going to have a food show or something. I don't know. We got shows on everything. So if you download the app, you can have a little piece of us with you. And, you know, um, you know, sometimes you just never know what you're going to get and it can reflect your mood. Or if you have it and there's a show you like, you can uh, just tune into it. So uh, at, a, at the time it's on. So go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash iPhone or RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash Android. So, Patty, why don't you tell us the name of the gallery? Give us the details on the show again. The show is called... That's up, that, you're, that you curated. Yes. The show is called Studio Mates, and it will it is currently up at Front Room Gallery, which is at 48 Hester Street. There is an opening reception tomorrow on the 14th from 7 to 9 p.m., and the show is going to run through January 6th. So, anyway, let's talk about the show. So... How you so that like I said, folks, this is a show. Patty went and picked out five teams of people that share studios. So, um, what was the thinking? Taught tell, thinking behind it, the process. Did you have any fights? Are people mad at you, or uh, are they mad at each other? What happened? Well, the idea came to a large extent from my own relationship with my studio mate. Um, I've seen a lot of shows, or not a lot, I've seen several shows about artist couples where you'll get the husband and wife. Oh, yeah. And I've started to realize, I've had studio mates pretty much my, I've never had a solo studio. I've always shared them, and up until Amy, I've shared them with men, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily relevant. But Amy and I... Amy Hill, Amy who's Hill, been on the show, you can look it up. Who's an amazing artist. Like so, about a month ago, she was on, two months ago. Uh, she and I have been sharing a studio for five and a half years and it's a pretty small space and we don't have a wall up between us and we talk. And I realize that there is a sort of emotional intimacy that happens when you spend that much time with somebody in a shared space, Mm -hmm. just the two of you. It's a very special relationship. And we, we talk a lot about art. We talk about our process. We talk about the art we see, what art, what shows we want to, we've seen what we want to see what our friends are doing, but we also talk about all sorts of other stuff, politics, love, food, things we watch on Netflix. And then I also, the other kind of studio pair that helped inspire the idea was um, Mark Masiga and Chris Johnson, who are friends for like 20 years from graduate school, and they've shared a studio for like 15 years. And just watching they're both good friends and watching their friendship and kind of teasing them about their other wives because they're they're married (laughs) but you know they're like the studio wife um and then i i had this idea that this would be a good show to a good idea for a show and i started kind of i put the proposal together and uh, i pitched it to kate and daniel and they went for it and i'm really really thrilled to be working with them because i love their gallery i love their programming and their friends and Mm -hmm. they've just been phenomenal to work with on yeah, the show. Yeah, great gallery. Yeah. It's a great gallery. I'm, um, I'm sure, like, putting it together, although it's a lot of work and stuff like that, must have been, like, there's a lot of joy in that, right? It's, a lot of satisfaction. It's been really exciting. I've wanted to, 
to curate for a while. And this was the first mm-hmm. I have put together. I helped, I co-curated slash organized a show last spring with Alexi Rutschbrock and Beth Derry called Among Friends. And that was my first kind of dipping my toe into being behind the scenes rather than the artist. And because there were hundreds, how many artists in that show? That was 132 artists. Mm-hmm. And Great it was show. in part a Planned Parenthood benefit. Um, we're going to do it again in the spring oh, wow. at the Clemente Great. with a different charity. It's going to be for the Lower uh, the Lower East Side Girls Club this oh, time. Oh, wonderful. Um, so we have an opportunity to do it again. But it just it's a direction I want to pursue, the, the curating. It's sort of connected to the to book design and just arranging things visually is something that interests me a lot. So to have my first real curatorial idea get realized and get realized this well, or this well, in my opinion, I hope other people agree, (laughs) um, has been really, really exciting. Well, you know, it's such a great, it's one of those ideas like, how come it hasn't been done? But it's such a great idea. Yeah, I'm sure I can. I think it's a really, 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 you know, great idea. And I can see how inspired, how you got inspired. So you and Amy have shared a studio for five years then? Yes. And do you guys talk over the wall kind of thing? There's or? no wall. We just sit there talking. So there's no, there's no, because I've been in the studio, but I haven't seen you both there. It, uh, during EFA, it's at EFA, it's, which is a, you know, Elizabeth Foundation for the Arts, very prestigious place actually to have a studio. So you guys share an open room? We do. Oh, okay. And we're, not always there at the same time, but it's not a timeshare situation where we we don't. It's not like one of these one of us has to be there in the day and the other one is there in the evening. Mm-hmm. We're often there at the same mm-hmm. time, and we talk. And my previous studio mate, I had a I shared a studio with Steve Buckley, and we would chit chat too. And and often I would stay later into the evening because I was enjoying our conversation so much. Nice, that's fabulous. So, um, do you think that? Just to be more specific at this point, so has Amy influenced? How do you think Amy has influenced your work? Do you think, like, I mean, well, Amy does. She does figurative work. They're not technically portraits because they're not of a specific person. Although she has done that, um, but yeah, it's interesting because you used to walk into the studio and there was the the portrait person and there was the abstract person, and now we're both working figuratively. So there is a connection, a very literal connection between our work that didn't exist when we first started working together. But one of the things that has been interesting with the process of putting the show together is that I did joint curatorial, uh, joint studio visits. Mm-hmm. So I would meet with both artists at the same time and have a conversation through which the work would get chosen. And some of the connections were really evident. And then some of them we had to kind of coax out. And what I had to work on with these pairs is kind of highlighting a point of connection with between the two artists mm. mm-hmm. that is, like I said, in some cases more obvious than others. Mm-hmm. And what kind of connections? What did you What did you learn from that? What kind of connections? Is there always? It seems impossible that a studio mate wouldn't influence your work. I kind of. Th- think on some level yeah i mean you're you're there you're there even if you're not there at the same time you're living with their work right and it's getting in there somehow and there has to be some some osmosis that's going on sure and so it was interesting to to sometimes i had that in mind before i went into the studio and mm-hmm. would would look for work that suited that agenda 
And other times I would just be in there looking at the work and it would kind of present itself. Is there any um, example in particular? You don't even have to name names if you don't want to. But like, is there any particular visit that you could tell us about that might be interesting? Like where 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 it was either obvious the connection or harder to connect? Like what was did people were people wanting to connect or people not wanting to connect? What was it like? Well, what was interesting was that some of the pairs had had a lot of discussion before I got there. And so there were a couple of pairs where I walked in and they're like, this is what we were thinking. And it, well, okay. So with Mark and Chris, who I mentioned earlier, I had a, I had an idea for them. And then I walked in and they had already both kind of chosen work. And what was really wonderful was that the work they chose fit the idea I had. It, it, that was pretty effortless in uh-huh. a lot of ways because uh-huh. they each had sort of a piece in mind that they wanted to show. They worked together and they worked with the narrative I had in my head uh-huh. about... Did they make work for the show? Is that what you're saying? Or they no. picked out work? They picked out they, work they yeah. had. But I don't So think- you knew, you, you had a good sense of, you were smart about what their connection was. You were intuitive about that. I right? guess so. Yeah. I guess so. And because yeah. I had been to their studios before also, mm-hmm. so I, I, I knew their work. Um, I don't, I can only think of one artist who made work specifically for the show. Right. Most of the people, it was a matter of w- what they're working on and how it connected yeah. to the studio mates. And in, in most of the mm-hmm. cases, the work is fairly new. I don't think we dug too far back into right. the archives. But right, right, right. No, that would make sense because it's not like you're trying to illustrate a particular idea or feeling. It's just what are these two people was. Um, so was there anything like, did you know, did you pretty, pretty much know these people or were like, did you yes. know? So was there anything that you was unexpected? Did you? Well, what was interesting. So with Thomas Broadbent and Kelly Parr, what connected their work was almost it was sort of serendipitous. They, when I mentioned the show to them and invited them to be in it, they were really excited because they had an almost accidental visual connection going on. Even though their work is quite different in terms of materials and subject mm-hmm. matter, they're you know you'll see if you go see the show that they're both dealing with. There's a there's a really strong visual connection that happened, mm-hmm. um, and I hadn't been to their studio before, so that was kind of fun to see. And it was something that they said that people were remarking on who would just casually be in the studio. Mm. People were saying, look at that. So, so it wasn't like particularly obvious, but if you thought about it, you could. It actually just, kind of was it obvious. It was obvious. Yeah. And it, and it makes for a really strong pairing in the show. Ah, was it ac- sort of accidental though? Or what do you think? Well, you that's think, where. Yeah, that's what the, that's that's where where the magic know. is. That's I mean, where the magic is. Exactly. Like, I'm not sure if it's accidental. Yeah. Is yeah. anything accidental? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. Um, Hmm. Uh, so, um, did, uh, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought, which is impossible when you're on the radio because you don't really get a chance to bring it back. So, uh, but I guess I'm just kind of trying to, how long, uh, this is what I wanted to ask. How long are most of the relationships? Are they long-term? What's your feeling about studio mate relationships? Are they long-term relationships? I think it can really vary. Um, the longest term was is 14, 14 or 15 wow. years. And Who was that? That was Mark and Chris. Wow. 
And then Amy and I are five and a half years. I think Tom and Kelly were seven years. So there's been a range. I mean, most of them are not, I mean, less than 10 years. But I think when you get a good thing with a studio mate, you kind of want to keep it. Mm -hmm. And right now it is so expensive. Studio space is so expensive that it's hard to afford your own space, which is part of the whole idea of this show is that, you know, you you can't. But for me, I like having a studio mate. Mm-hmm. It's been a real, over the course of the many that I've had, mm-hmm. well, with one exception who <laughs> well, kind of problematic, um, it's been a really great mm-hmm. set mm-hmm. of relationships. Yeah. And I've really gotten a lot out of all of them. Oh, yeah. I could see you and Amy like being, that's great. That's a great match. Uh, so did, um, I'm like trying to imagine this. Um I I am not I've never had a studio really. Um I that's partly my self-esteem issues because partly I don't need it and then partly I don't feel like I deserve it. Cuz huh. I feel a lot of pressure by having the studio. But uh, cuz I did have one for a little while and I'm like I'm paying money for this. This isn't worth it. I'm not making anything worthwhile here. Um but I'm also not a painter so that, that's a whole other story. But um the thing that I'm also wondering about is um how, um, whether, cause maybe this is me projecting, but do people, do you think studio mates, uh, evaluate each other on like how productive they are or anything like that? Did you get any sense of that? That people are like, well, I'm the one here all the time working or. Well, I, th- I think that we're all juggling a lot of different things yeah. and there's a general understanding that you have to make sacrifices to be able to make your work. Oh, Yes. And so, you know, you you can live as close to the like Amy does not have a day job. Amy is all about her work, which is so inspiring. To yes. Me. And so she's much she's there a lot more. She also has a studio practice at home. She is she's making art as much of the day as she possibly can. Um, but if I tried to hold compete with that in terms of time and productivity, that would be a losing battle. I I get there as much as I can. I Does some, she inspire you though? Cause she's there a lot. Yeah. I mean, she inspires me on yeah. a lot of different levels. Mm-hmm. She's a very inspiring person. Um, I can't believe she'll spend a whole day in the studio and then go home and keep painting. I'm, I'm spent. <laughs> I want to watch television. I want to have dinner. I want to drink. I don't like, yeah. I can't then go home and start it all up again yeah. until two in the morning. Yeah, that is like, yeah, I couldn't do that either. That is pretty remarkable. Uh, but do you see competition? I mean, are like, I mean, not just as far as like being productive, but also in terms of showing uh, and selling and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, is there that? I'm sure there is that. I didn't. I didn't probe didn't about that. that. No, I didn't probe I about would. that. I would. I would. I wouldn't have left until that they were in a fight. <laughs> well, maybe you should have come with me. I wouldn't me. have left until I caused enough tension in the room <laughs> and and enough awkwardness. Where they were crying when I left, or or throwing vats of paint at each other's <laughs> yeah, work, right, going at right. it with, with box cutters. Or I would have ruined their relationship. Yeah, yeah and then we would have. <laughs> but uh, so, did you feel divorce? Studio divorce. divorce. Yeah, right. Um, what about the sense of intimacy? What kind of intimacy? There's. It's kind of interesting because when you have a studio mate, it's sort of in between. Um, it's a very intimate relationship because 
anybody making art on a serious level is that's a really important personal thing. Um, and it's a very, like a lot of time. It's a huge commitment to have a studio and all that. But also, um, there's still like this beautiful boundary where you are, sh- are just sharing rent. You're just roommates. And you don't really like if one of you is in a bad mood, like you don't, you don't have to like plan vacations together. And if somebody doesn't show up for a week, you don't take it personally and no, that's stuff like true. that. So do you think, do you think there's any of that? Like, what are those? Do you think, do you think people are substitute? Here's, so do you think people are substituting their, their studio relationships? Do you think that, like, what are those relationships like? What about the level of intimacy there? Well, I think that the consistency of seeing each other does create a level of intimacy, but you're right. I don't think in, I mean, I I hope, I don't think in any of these cases there's that pressure that comes with a romantic partnership or domestic partnership. Right. I think it can be a nice counterpoint to that. It can be a supportive, it's about the work, and it's not that people don't talk or share other stuff about their their lives within the context of their studio but it is it in a perfect world your studio mate relationship would be your professional support relationship that and often people's personal lives are at loggerheads with their studio practice i mean you know i see that it's like people saying oh i wish i could get to the studio but i had to go pick my kid up at school or i've got to you know go on a family vacation or go to my job and so the studio for most artists is this sort of inner sanctum. It's the place where you ideally can put all that other stuff out of mm-hmm. your out of your head mm-hmm. and really focus on what's in your mm-hmm. head. So that's a nice space to share with somebody, right? Because it's sort of like um, I what do I say? Art is like a relationship that you have with yourself, but it's sort of outside yourself. I think like um, for a lot of people, art their art making, whether it's painting or music or anything, um, does come first or is in rivalry with an intimate relationship. Yeah. For sure, right? Yeah, so we that's why that. the joke's about the other wife, you know, it's like yeah, it you really, sort of got it, two, two partners. Right, it really, really is like that. So that's probably a really, like, healthy thing to have, right? Because it helps balance. Well, I guess it could go either way. It could be really healthy, but it could also be an escape, which can be both healthy and an escape. And I did, I had a brief about, I don't know, six or eight months where I did share a studio with my, at the time, boyfriend, and that did not work well. (laughs) And I know some couples can do that. To me, I've always felt in a in a romantic relationship that I like a separation. Yeah, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. I think the fact that Phil, my husband, has a studio um, outside of our home is what keeps helps keep our relationship together. I and think. I understand that. Phil, right? <laughs> That's part of it. Um, you know, it's funny because I was remembering now, right now when we were talking, that Phil actually took over a studio space once from somebody or something. I just remember there was somebody had left. There was a somebody had left their spouse because a guy wound up having an affair with a studio mate, a female, and that broke up their marriage. Oh, geez. It happens. I, I, bet. 
I that was guess the only. So. That's the only. I have heard of that. That was that one time. But have you ever yeah. heard of that? Well, I, I haven't heard of that specifically. But you know, come up and look at my etchings. I mean, the whole like studio visits as foreplay has. I've heard of that. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. Well, that's part of the stereotype with art too, yes. right? Because we're all naked. We're all naked in there, like you, Patty. We're all oh, naked, yeah. watching ourselves, painting ourselves, smearing paint all over our bodies. That's what artists do, right? Absolutely. So anyway, um, do you realize how fast this went? We have three minutes left. Okay. That did go fast, actually. <laughs> Didn't it? Yes, yes. Didn't it? That's because uh, we were enjoying this so much. I, I, I'm really, I mean, honestly, I am really excited about the show. I'm really excited about the work, but I love, I mean, to me personally, like the idea of exploring and getting a sense of those relationships um, those really important and very intimate relationships behind the work is really meaningful. So I, to me personally, I'm very excited about seeing the work. Did you did you write anything about the relationships in the? Yes, if you uh, look at the website for Front Room Gallery, it's frontroomles.com. Uh, you can see the press release there, which does have a little blurb on each of the pairs. Oh, wonderful! Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. Or come to the show. There'll come be a printout to the show. Of the press okay, release. say the address one more time and then I have to uh then we're I have to give a shout out to the shows after us. Go ahead. It's opening tomorrow night, seven to nine PM, front room gallery, forty eight Hester Street, Lower East Side. Okay, and it's open until January sixth. Okay. So here's the thing, folks. This was great, and there's so much great programming right after this, so you should totally hang around. We've got Lost and Rewound right after this, which is Elon Danziger's show, which is both hilarious and has, like, great music and talk. We've got Ben Talks today, which uh, is one of our most popular shows, I think, after that. And then, um, no, well, in between that is Brooklyn Bandstand with Rob Pritchard, and uh, he knows the local music scene probably as well or better than anybody. So if you want to find out what's going on in local music, uh, you should stick around. You should stick around anyway. And uh, I think Tom Tenney, who does, um, I'm blanking on the name of his show, but he's going to be at the party. So it's going to be a uh, pre-record but it'll be good I promise you that so anyway I'm really excited about our party tonight I will be going to couples therapy right after that so in between uh, I will be having therapy with my husband uh, before the parties so we should be getting usually helps us get along so we'll both be in a good mood there and I'll be giving out tickets for free drinks so I'm very excited about my job and um, you can listen to Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit Every Thursday, two to three p.m. It's uh, my Instagram is at dr lisa levy sp. If you want to get in touch, another shout out to my good friend now in Nova Scotia baking baking food. When are we getting a bagel? Do you make bagels? I wonder if he makes bagels. I don't know. If you don't, we're going to make sure you do. So anyway, thanks again for listening to us at Radio.